Support for this podcast comes from Outdoor Supply Hardware, inviting listeners to OSHA's big anniversary sale celebration, May 20th through the 26th, featuring daily deals, $15,000 in giveaways, 20% off store-wide on Saturday and Sunday, and a lot more. Learn more at OSH.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest, and I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Hey, everybody, it's that time again from KQED Public Radio. This is Political Breakdown. I'm Scott Schaefer. And I'm Marisa Lagos. And today on The Breakdown, he won the very last congressional race in the nation to be called, decided weeks after Election Day. It was that close, and very few saw it coming. It was actually one of seven GOP seats Dems flipped in California last fall. That's right. He's Democrat T.J. Cox. He defeated three-term incumbent David Valadeo in the 21st Congressional District. And in case you're wondering, it includes Kings County and parts of Tulare, Fresno, and Kern Counties. And now it is represented by our guest, Democratic Congressman T.J. Cox, welcome to Political Breakdown. Thanks so much. Uh, Great to be here. And we should say that uh, we recorded this conversation last week on Thursday, March 21st, in case you're wondering. Well, Congressman, um, you were, as we said, one of the very last, the last race to be called. What was that period between the election and the final decision? That was a long time. Yeah, yeah, that was basically uh, two large uh, family-sized bottles of Tums. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of stomach aches. A lot, lot of stomach aches. A lot of uh, updating and going to uh, Secretary of State's website to check the, you know, the minute-by-minute results. The refresh. The refresh. Well, I wonder too, like, because it's it comes after all of the adrenaline of the election, and then you just. I mean, you have like nothing to do, right? Yeah, other than wait, yeah. uh, other than wait and, and count and trust in the process. You know, when we were out on the campaign trail, frankly, you know, a couple of weeks out, we knew we were going to win. Uh, wait, 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 who's we? I, uh, my, my family, <laughs> I, my, my, my wife, the night of the election, uh, the results were coming in. And we saw how many votes were out there. And she goes, you know, I'm tired. It's been a long election season. I'm going to bed. There's going to be a lot more votes coming in, right? And uh, she had that confidence, and it was the reason is because we were out in the neighborhoods, you know, and talking to people every day. And the little kids would come up to you and say, DJ, I'm going to vote for you. And uh, right around Halloween, uh, we're at this, uh, uh, this, this nice Halloween event, and a little girl comes up and she says, you know, DJ Cox, he goes, I want you to win because I believe in you. Wow. Aww. All right? That's sweet. And when you hear those <laughs> types of things. can't vote, though. But you see, the thing is, though, it's. Uh, like, like I tell one of my political heroes, John Kennedy, 
right? Did I ever meet John Kennedy? I did not. Who did I hear about him from? My parents. So when the little girl is talking about me, she's hearing it from her parents. Well, you know, the DCCC, the uh, Democratic uh, Congressional Campaign Committee, they pulled out of that race. You were not one of those races that they seemed to think they could win. There were others that they were more focused on in Orange County and then a little further up near uh, in Jeff Denham's district around Modesto. Uh, labor stuck with you, though, the, the, the unions. Uh, t- what was that whole dynamic well, there? I, I found out what the term ghosting Uh, Usually it's in in relation to dating, but I guess dating the DCCC is a whole thing, too. Exactly. The rough breakup. Because I tell you, uh, one weekend, we had a number of buses that were going to come up to help canvas, uh, certainly uh, from from the Southern California. And I'm asking the team, hey, do I need to go down and and meet the buses on Saturday morning, early Saturday morning? And they said, no, they've been turned around. They're going to Orange County instead. Oh, they literally turned them around that day. Right? And it's, oh. They don't see what we're saying, right? And and certainly, you know, that's the way the national parties are. They've got their targeted races, the races that they know they can play in. And a lot of times they don't get out to well, the Well, they district. have to triage. They, they have to triage. And so I don't blame them all. You well, know, in fact, you hired one of their staffers. Yeah. Gotten it, right? Although so. he, Drew claims that he knew you were going to win. I tell you what. We knew we were going to win. Yeah. And there, there is, right? We're on the right side of the issues. We're on the right side of the people. But it's a tough it's tough territory for Democrats traditionally. Uh, your district actually has a higher Democratic registration like than some of the points, other ones. Think, yeah, so. it's a big, but a lot of those folks don't vote or they vote Republican. Well, the reason why, and, and this is what we heard when we, we knocked on so many doors. You want me to vote for you? Nobody has ever asked for my vote for, before. And in a district like this, uh, They've had it pounded into them that their vote doesn't matter. All right? And so why would you come out to vote? This is an election where we showed them that their vote is going to matter. And that's what we're going to deliver in Congress, to show them that, you know, the people they vote for are going to deliver for them and make a positive difference in their lives. So tell us about when you finally won. Like, what was that? Where were you? What was that day like for you? Well, it it was actually, uh, you know, they have new member orientation. And for the first week, I didn't get invited. <laughs> right. And one of the Republicans in Orange County who lost went. Yeah, young Kim yeah. went down yeah. there. She's yeah. in the and class photo. She's in the class photo. <laughs> so we had to Photoshop her, you know, my head oh. onto hers. Uh, but uh, it was on a Monday. It was on a Monday. I went ahead in um, in the tally, and I jumped on a, a red eye to go right there to uh, to D.C. And, and the funny thing is, is that uh, it was a really cold, kind of windy morning. And just to shake, you know, some of the jet lag off, I decided to walk up to the Capitol. And the only person that I ran into on the streets was my opponent's uh, chief of staff. Oh, no. David Holliday. <laughs> you know, and, and so, you know, so somebody from above was uh, having did a good laugh. Did he ever call and congratulate you or concede? We, we did. Actually, it was uh, it was a couple weeks later when, uh, when all the votes were counted. Mm. And... Uh, what you was know, that conversation like? It was very short. It was very short. Uh, you know, congratulations, hard run race, whatever we can do to help to, uh, uh, you know, serve the people. You uh, originally were going to run for a different seat, uh, the 10th Congressional District, which Josh Harder won. That's Jeff was Jeff Denham's seat. And then I forget when the, what the month was, but you said, you know what? No, I'm going to run for the 21st. And you went down toward Fresno, Kings County, Tulare. Why did you make that, that switch? Well, you, you know, the thing is I, I had actually run before in 2006. Uh, and I was a major portion of that district was up in the tenth in the harder district, and that's where I had a, a great base before the reapportionment. Yeah, so like two thousand six, yeah, it was actually the nineteenth yeah. congressional back then. But uh, you know, the majority of my work and the great body of my work of 
you know, funding health clinics and job training facilities, educational facilities, social services campuses, had been down in the 21st. And there was a story that uh, I was at the grand opening of a new health clinic, and right after that, uh, people from the community, electeds, and just citizens, they came up and said, TJ, God, we wish you were running down here. And, you know, we saw the, uh, uh, we saw the possibilities of what we could do in the 21st. So was it partly to make sure that the, you and, and Josh Harder didn't split the Democratic vote? Was it that? That was, certainly a, that was certainly a consideration. It was a consideration of maybe losing two seats or picking up two seats. And, uh, you know, we, uh, that's what we went out and did. Did you get any um, grief for, you know, carpetbagging, moving new district, not living directly in the congressional lines? Do, do voters care about that? You know what the voters care about? They vote. They care about what you've done for them. So when I could point out the community health clinics that I've funded in the 21st, the jobs that I've created, I could point to the project down the street that I had a hand in. That's what they really appreciated. All right. So we're going to take a short break, I think. And when we come back, we're going to be talking more with Congressman T.J. Cox. You're listening to Political Breakdown from KQED Public Radio. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. All right, and welcome back to Political Breakdown. I'm Marisa Lagos here along with Scott Schaefer, and our guest today is TJ Cox. He is one of California's seven rookie congressional members, and like the other six, he is a Democrat. He's from the Central Valley. Um, so we were talking a little bit about your race, but we want to go back and talk a little bit about your family and, and kind of your, your history. So your dad was a scientist and a chemical engineering professor from China, I believe, and your mom was from the Philippines. Um, so... I don't know. Tell us about them. And like, how how did their immigrant story kind of inform you growing up? You know, uh, classic uh, Californian story, right? Yeah. Uh, the students from China and the Philippines meeting here. And you know, just, it's a classic immigrant story. Work hard. Uh, keep your nose to the grindstone, you know. Bay Area? Uh, yeah. Bay Area, yeah. Uh, I was born on Walnut Creek. Uh, Where I, were they going to school? Well, actually, they met at the International Students Club at Montana State University wow. in the 50s. And so my dad was working here at Dow and out, out at uh, He was a chemical engineer. Yeah, he was a chemical engineer professor. He was a really uh, one of our nations. Unfortunately, 
he was killed in a car accident when I was in high school, but he was one of our nation's top uh, experts in hydrogen technology. And in 1976, we had a Chevy, I think it was a Cavalier, that was retrofitted to run on liquid hydrogen. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. A little ahead of his time there. It, it was. And, and I, I got to tell you is that when I was unpacking some things to put into my office back in D.C., uh, he wrote some textbooks on on hydrogen technology, but I also pulled out a proposal that he had put together for a solar to hydrogen circuit using water, right? Wow. So we were talking about clean, renewable technologies ahead of his 40 time. years ago. Really ahead of his time. So your mom also had a really interesting story, I think, um, from being in the Philippines still during World War II. Is that right? Yeah, it, it's this. It's a fantastic story, and it's, uh, it's just so funny. Uh, but it's one that I'd heard from a very early age is that my grandmother was a real kind of social justice warrior. And she saw that there were some of our troops right after the war uh, that were being discriminated against in Manila. They didn't have any place to go to You relax. say our troops, U.S. Our troops. U.S. troops. Uh, they didn't have any place to go to hang out or relax when they got off duty. And so my grandmother took it upon herself to open the first and only social club for our African-American troops in Manila. Wow. All right. And then my mom later became one of the state of Nevada's first equal opportunity officers. So huh. it sounds like the the politics of social justice were really instilled in you. I mean, it, it, do you think it's a surprise? I know your dad has passed away. Is your mom still around? Yeah, 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 she is. Is she surprised you're in politics at all? Or? Uh, unfortunately, um, yeah, it, it's funny. She's got uh, uh, pretty substantial memory loss, mm. but uh, just short term. Uh, but she's still, you know. Politics, why are you doing that? <laughs> right, <laughs> but right. then she forgets you're a congressman, so it's fine. <laughs> exactly. And so. yeah, I'm wondering, you know, a lot of uh, people, when they have immigrant parents, uh, the culture of their parents, really, they, they get sort of infused with that, and it's very much a part of their identity. Although some folks, also, the parents, like, don't want them to learn those languages. They want to focus on English, and they kind of want to move the old country, leave the old country behind. I mean, what was your situation? Yeah, it was very much the latter. I don't speak Chinese. My, my, my dad's from Chinese. I don't speak uh, Tagalog, right? Other than, you know, some of the curse words. I can't really <laughs> hear on Every the radio. Every good Filipino Well, you knows. can, actually, yeah. if they're in Tagalog. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah. The FCC uh, doesn't speak uh, Tagalog, don't worry. Uh, that, that's right, but... Uh, you know, they're, they both became very proud, naturalized U.S. citizens. But once again, like the immigrant work experience, work hard, you know, get back to work, right? <laughs> and that, that type of thing. Um, and it's uh, you know, it's an experience that, that, that I bring as my um, into, into my role as a member of the Congress, into representing the people of the Central Valley. Do you feel like your dad's death when you were a teenager, I mean, which is, a you know, very young, I mean, did that impact sort of the course of your life? You know what did? I, I tell you what is, uh, I remember getting these checks, the OASDI, Old Age Survivors Disability Insurance, Social Security. So there was that social safety net to help mm. out our family. And that's why, you know, I cannot, I'm not going to stand by to see those shredded under this administration, uh, you know, and this, con or in the previous Congress. I see how those things really make a positive difference into people's lives. When you were running uh, for this seat, did you, how much of your sort of immigrant family story, you know, was part of your, you know, talk when you met with voters? Uh, yeah, very, very much so. Is that, you know, immigrants, we, there's certainly a different path. You have challenges. There's, you know, inherent uh, uh, discrimination uh, sometimes. And that's something that uh, certainly the people that I represent, we, we've got a 70 plus percent Latino district. All right. And the challenges that they face uh, socially and on the community level, uh, the barriers, you know, with regard to immigration and their family members. You know, yesterday I tell you, we're at an immigration roundtable and a young man there, um, college student, but he has five jobs. 
And what he has to say to his brothers and sisters every day before he leaves, because he's a DACA recipient, you know, don't be afraid if I don't come home. Wow. Hmm. Well, it's when, when you live those types of things, yeah. it has to inform the reality, really. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, so, you know, you grew up in Walnut Creek and then you went, I think, to Nevada for university. Is that yep, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, when did you meet your wife? Like how? Well, I, I actually met her uh, back in Nevada. And so okay. she's a daughter of a, a Montana rancher. Right. And, mm. and so. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Does that help in, uh, your, in your valley seat? <laughs> Talking to the ranchers. But, yeah. but I tell you what, the reason why we're in the Central Valley, uh, she's a pediatric intensive care physician. All right. And one of the reasons why I'm in this race is because of the consequences and the injustice of our health system, which she you know, directly relates to and, and informs me on. And you've got four kids. What are the age ranges? Yeah, from uh, 14 to uh, 22. And how so. impressed are they that dad is in Congress? <laughs> so the other day, uh, you want to know how impressed they are? Yeah. The, the other day, I'm, I'm serving a speaker pro tem of the house, right? So big deal. Pop's got the gav, gavel. <laughs> and and uh, my wife takes a picture, you know, from C-SPAN. She tweets it out to him or emails it out to him. And the response we get back from one of the sons is, uh, 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 thanks, mom. Uh, can you get my swimsuit? <laughs> oh, <laughs> so that must be the teenager. One, yeah, the yeah, it, 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 exactly. But it's uh, it, I tell you, it's such an honor to serve, and it's a privilege to serve the people of the twenty first. Well, if you're okay, so you have four kids, you know, ranging in ages, and your and your wife has been a doctor. I mean, were you pretty involved at home when they were littler? If she's, you know, in school or yeah, uh, or was I, she not in school? I, I would like point? to say I, I I was, but you know um, how. My wife Kathy would say, uh, <laughs> we'll "Call her enough. later. You know, Fact check." Uh, yeah, I, I yeah, do yeah. have to say, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a regular dad, and and so, uh, uh, and you, they moved out. They were living in Maryland until well, as I tell you, how did this all happen? Well, I end up in Fresno. I tell you what happened is that one day my Kathy comes home from work, and you know, she literally you know takes a shower. She she's been working all weekend and comes home and types up a letter and says, "Hey, I want you to read this." And I've written the letter, and it basically says, I quit, right? Uh, because of, you know, a young patient she just had who was a consequence of poor health care and the poor health care system we have in America. And so she decided, and she'd been thinking about it for some time, that she can only do so much at the bedside. What she needed to do was do something on the policy side because the politicians weren't getting it done. Mm-hmm. So she took a sabbatical to get a master's in public health at uh, Johns Hopkins. In Maryland. Right, in Maryland. And so she... The, the kind of cruel irony is that she and the family moved out to Maryland uh, for a number of years, and I stayed in. I lived in California. Then they moved back to California, and I run for office. And so now I fly back to California to visit <laughs> oh, them no. on the weekends. How hard a sell was it for them to get them to come out to, you know, California, the Central Valley? You know, where they were probably, I assume they were pretty happy in Maryland? Well, they, they you know, we had been living in, in the Central Valley for previous 15 years prior to that. And so, okay. you know, so it was, it was, it was really, really going back uh, home, really. Yeah, really coming back home. And so they're very happy in, in California. If you're just joining us, we're talking with T.J. Cox. He is the new freshman rookie Democratic congressman representing parts of uh, Tulare, uh, Kern County, Fresno County, and all of Kings County, right? Yeah. If you've ever seen the movie McFarland, USA, have you seen it? I don't think so. Kevin, oh, you've got to see it. Kevin Costner stars in it, all right? It's about this... Uh, uh, town, little town, uh, Latino town in the Central Valley, California. Uh, a coach comes out and takes a bunch of gangly teenagers and turns them into a state championship cross-country team. Hmm. And then they win the state championship like eight years in a row after that. <laughs> Fantastic movie. 
that is the heart of the district, and it represents the grit and the community and uh, and persistence of people. There. How did you sell yourself? Because you know it is a pretty red part of California. I mean, I think uh, Donald Trump carried a lot of those counties. I mean, Hillary Clinton carried your district, I believe. But you know, it is there's a lot of skepticism toward government, uh, some hostility to the environmental movement in some places. So how did you, as a Democrat, convince voters that you were okay, that you'd be good, and you'd be serving their interests? Well, to a certain extent, it's uh, what I've done. I mean, I had a proven track record of job creation. And in the five years before, we created almost 1,500 jobs, not any jobs. And talk about what that well, business is. Yeah, tell us it, it, a little was, bit uh, about your private it, sector. It was basically, a, it's called a CDE, a community development entity. And we utilize a variety of tools to be able to, to spur investment into the things that we need in the Valley. Community health clinics, job training facilities, clean energy plants, educational facilities, things that are going to make a positive difference in people's lives. I mean, it's a perfect basis to show how private investment can be leveraged with uh, public investment to deliver these types of things, you know, is an ideal platform and experience to be able to deliver for the people there. And so I had that experience. And the other thing is naturally this administration. You know, you've got an administration that are attacking the hardworking families and individuals there in the Central Valley. You've got a guy whose, you know, tariffs are devastating to our ag industry. And a guy whose, you know, values really don't comport with the people I represent. So... Okay, so you did that, but you had a bunch of other careers too, right? Can you tell us a little bit just about like what you did in the private sector? I think one of the profiles described you as having a nomadic existence. Well, <laughs> yeah, there was, well, you're there in the Middle East, you're in, in Africa. Africa yeah, yeah I, I worked in Africa in, in construction in the mining industry, and I worked in the Middle East. In were you on uh, the run from somebody? No, no, no. But, but uh, his four kids. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, no, but. This was all during the time my wife was in medical school, and so she had this boyfriend. This is, you know, I'm getting up there in age a little bit. I'm 55, but this is pre-internet, pre-cell phone. And so it was, you know, lots of letters back and forth as they had to take the slow boat. And so no, no one ever saw me during the four years she was in medical school. Yeah. And so, and so you know, we, coming back to the political stuff, uh, is what is a Central Valley Democrat, and how is it different, uh, if at all, from Democrats on the coasts or from New York State? I mean, is there a difference? No, I don't believe there's a difference at all. It is that, you know, at any elected, we're there for one purpose, to serve the people, to try to make a positive difference in their lives. And, you know, wherever I go and whatever group I, I talk to, I say, you know, I work for you. And I'm very serious about that. I work for them. I am their voice in Washington, taking the needs that... Uh, that in doing the things that are going to try to make a positive difference in their lives. And so, where where does your where do your views uh, diverge from, say, Nancy Pelosi, if at all? Well, I, I tell you what, we both agree that we need quality, affordable health care for everyone. We need quality, affordable education. We need to you know be investing in the you know the the clean, renewable technologies of the future. So, I I think those are things that everybody uh, agrees on. The, the exact methods to get there well, could be right. I mean, on. the doubles in the details. And I think uh, one thing we're seeing right now as 2020 approaches is the, you know, Republicans really trying to use, say, the Green New Deal as a way to attack Democrats. We've heard Trump talk about socialism. We've heard a lot about, you know, cow farts and that none of us are going to be able to be on an airplane again. I mean, how do you kind of frame this discussion in a place where, you know, agriculture is a huge part of the economy? Um, and, and I think it's fair Maybe those are some extreme and ridiculous statements, but to say that there's a lot of anxiety around a changing economy. Like, how are you talk, trying to talk about that to, you know, tell farmers that, hey, I want to help you not put you out of business? Well, I, I can tell you is that all farmers 
everyone I talk to, it's, it's a business just like any other business. They want to reduce expenses and maximize revenue. And probably have some certainty. And, and have certainty. And certainly, renewable technologies allows, allows them to get there. Mm. You talk to any processing plant, they're utilizing solar. You talk to dairies who are turning uh, into methane digesters, you know, for their waste streams to turn an expense into a revenue stream, right? Those are... Those are renewable technologies what that about everyone agrees. Well, and, and actually, yeah, <laughs> and actually, you know, it's not the farts; it's the burps, okay. right? It, it's it burps. is methane. Is that and, methane and, and gas? It's, and it's it, production of methane, and you could feed a little bit of seaweed to the to the cows, right, to improve their digestive that system. That sounds like a hippie to, idea. To, no? no, no, no. This is this is science that came out of UC Davis, right? <laughs> a huge livestock area, and so there are things that you can do that are win-win. Once again, well, what about though, like the framing? And because I do think that this is going to be the challenge. It's not. It's not that again, like you said, the the details are are that objectionable. But it's easy, or it seems like Republicans think it's going to be easy to kind of scare voters. Um, I don't know what what do you as you look because I know Republicans are probably already targeting your seat for twenty twenty. Like how how do you want to get you know, how do you want Democrats to respond to that? Well, they responded pretty well in 2018, right? The same arguments were, were being put forth. Do you think you could have won without Trump? Um, I, I got to tell you, is, is that I was canvassing one day, and um, the fellow who came to the door was a naturalized citizen, but he spoke very little English. And so he had his son translating. And I was trying to explain who I was, T.J. Cox, running for Congress, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, no, 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 no. Trump? No Trump, Right. I said, no Trump. See, uh, <laughs> came right. down to that for him. It came down to that for him, and uh, you know, Mr. Trump will still be on the ballot. And and the values that he represents are the values that this GOP and this party represent, and they're values that don't align with the people that I represent. Let me ask you a question about a, an issue that has, you know, really animated a lot of Republicans in the Central Valley, and that's high-speed rail. Uh, Gavin Newsom, governor, recently said, we're just going to build that section right now between Merced and Bakersfield. Uh, Kevin McCarthy said, hooray, it's dead. You know, we should, you know, stop funding this thing. You know, we're, A, did you support it? Do you support it? And, you know, would you like to see it extended to L.A. and San Francisco? Well, I, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the governor was saying that his remarks were a bit taken out of context and that that was the first segment. And obviously, it's got to, it's got to connect the Bay Area to Southern California. You know, these two huge financial economic drivers. And it's such a great arterial to hook the Central Valley into those uh, centers. Now, would I have preferred something different? Yeah. You know, rail instead of high-speed rail. I don't care. I don't have to go 200 miles to get to Bay Area if I go 60 miles without uh, without a stop, without running into the traffic like we did today. That would have been fine with me. And so we need, what we know we need is more infrastructure investment, not only to rail, but to planes and, and ports and bridges and roads. Uh, there's no better investment we can make in America than infrastructure. Why do you think Republicans hated that so much or hate, hate well, high-speed they, rail? They've got, a, they've got a legitimate concern. It's taking out valuable farmland, and the people that are that are losing land aren't getting compensated fairly. And, uh, you know, it's... Uh, it's uh, on those two issues al uh, alone, right? And it is a huge capital investment that they can't see an immediate return, and it's impacting them. You know, nobody agrees when uh, government is taking your land for eminent domain, right? You right. feel that very personally. Yeah. Do you think if, say, the governor is successful and is able to at least build this between Modesto and Bakersfield and, and continues to, you know, do what you want to do, which is connect the whole state, and I think a lot of people do. But, I mean, is there a value in that? Like, would that be helpful to your constituents to even have that portion of the rail line? 
You know, I, I tell you what, uh, if you go down to the farmer's market on Embarcadero, look here in San, San Francisco, here in San Francisco, look how many Central Valley farmers are there. Oh, yeah. You know, think about if you get those products up here in an hour, right? Field to table in an hour. Yeah. And those are high value products. So even if they got to drive out from Modesto or use that uh, slightly slower train that they're uh, trying to build. Right. So um, we've got a few minutes left. I want to ask you about the congressman in the neighboring district, Devin Nunes, mm-hmm. uh, who is being targeted <laughs> for defeat by the Democrats in 2020. Uh, he's had a run-in with a cow, uh, actually a Twitter parody Twitter account called Devin's Cow. I Which now has more followers than he it's does. He's got a half a million followers because Devin Nunes sued the owner of that, uh, of that account as well as Twitter and two other accounts that were parodies. What do you make of all that? You know, I, I tell you what uh, – I read the headline of the thing, uh, but I didn't get further than that because it's it just such a – I don't know if it was some type of parody, but you can't be serious about talking about public policy and things that are going to matter to the lives of the people, you know, when, when you're suing Twitter because they hurt your feelings or whatever. I mean, I'm focused on, on serving the people by, you know, bringing – quality, affordable health care, educational opportunities, doing something about immigration. Uh, and I'm so darn busy that like, I didn't take a second look at that. The media, Not, do, we do get distracted by yeah. those things sometimes. <laughs> well, and, and Nunez has it's a fun. track record of doing this. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. right, just about a minute left. Um, I know that I, I heard you're a regular at the house gym. I I, I am. And, and I got to tell you, the most surprising thing that I have found as a member of Congress is that uh, – at the yoga classes that they have at the gym, the majority of, of uh, participants are my Republican colleagues. Really? No kidding. They're getting loose. <laughs> and men, and men I assume, because there's mostly and, men. And, and men. Maybe they need the meditation to, to, to think about uh, you know, what they're doing there in Congress, but, but that's been pretty surprising. But what are you doing? Are you spinning? Is that yeah, what? yeah, uh, yeah. That and, goddarn Mike Thompson, if he's listening from Napa, he tweets uh, or he'll, he'll text me every night before I, See you at six. All right, <laughs> and, I, and I don't get to bed until way past midnight. I don't leave the office till past midnight. So he's got some accountability there for you. Yeah. So. All right. Well, thank you. Right. Well, Congressman shouldn't he Cox be drinking wine or something? Who was Thompson? No. Oh, Thompson. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah, Napa, yeah. Sonoma. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's not at six in the morning. <laughs> no, I meant the night before. But okay. Before okay. Well. All right, Congressman Cox. Thank you so much for coming in and being on Political Breakdown. We appreciate it. It's, it's we'll talk to you here. again. We'll talk to you again. Thanks so much. That does it for this edition of Political Breakdown. It's a production of KQED Public Radio. Make sure to subscribe to our Political Breakdown newsletter. It'll be delivered right into your inbox every Tuesday morning. You can subscribe at kqed.org/newsletters, and you won't even have to hear us talk. For today, our producer is Guy Marzarati, and our engineer is Seal Muller. Vinny Tong's our managing editor. Ethan Lindsay's our executive editor, and Holly Kernan is our chief content officer. I'm Marisa Lagos. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at M Lagos. And I'm Scott Schaefer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Devin's Cow. I mean, I'm at Scott Schaefer. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> that's that's going to be a wrap for this week's Political Breakdown from KQED. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing... 
and I know you love what you're hearing. Please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.